So last time around, we looked at the challenges of Muslim influencer marketing, and we looked at how you can overcome them challenges, whether that's actually reaching out to micro-influencers who have around between 20,000 and 100,000 followers, or those who are macro, those with 100,000 to a million in following. But we also noted that potentially reaching out to influencers can be an expensive thing. So what kind of budget are you looking at when it actually comes to devising influencer marketing campaigns? So budgets can vary depending uh, campaign to campaign and and, and which uh, influencer agency you work with. Some campaigns uh, may start from 5k, Um, it's going to be very rare to get one uh, below that. And they can also go up to 100k or anything in between depending on on what your budget is. So what are the main differences between a 5k and a 100k campaign? I can understand, you know, an agency saying 5k and you're paying that for maybe a handful of micro-influencers. Or does that actually kind of vary case by case? Is it that actually some micro-influencers cost more than macro? Um, it's very rare for a micro-influencer to cost more than uh, a macro. Um, and, and micro-influencers can actually um, cost, um, you know, anything between, uh, you know, £40 all the way up to, you know, perhaps 250 um, whereas macros can, can often start um, from 250 upwards and, and go up to um, £1,000 to £1,500 for a single post. So for a 5k campaign, you could maybe expect, um, you know, a dozen micro-influencers and, and maybe a macro. Um, and um, depending on, on what your budget is um, and the more it increases, you can expect to find more macro-influencers as part of that campaign. So if I was a business that was coming to you with a 5k campaign, what would be the kind of campaign that you'd recommend? Um, so I would recommend uh, utilising uh, majority micro-influencers. Um, I, I don't think it would necessarily be wise to uh, spend your entire budget on two or three macro-influencers. Although you may get that reach, um, the uh, engagement and, and the niche market that you'll get from micro-influencers and, and the way um, you can spread the word through um, you know, a dozen or so, up to 15 micro-influencers, you wouldn't get that same uh, type of campaign uh, with, with a macro and, and you would only really be able to access two or three. So if I was a business, then I'd always say I'd you know, go for micro-influencers. Would you find that that'd be the best way to go to market? Again, it really depends what you're trying to do. Uh, Micro-influencers are are great for uh, engagement and and great for talking about your brand to um, their very niche following. Whereas uh, a macro-influencer, although it may get you that reach and those impressions, um, they may not provide uh, as much value for money. You know, one thing that actually comes to mind is the fact that £5,000 is still a lot of money. If I was a new business, I don't know if I'd actually be willing to spend that. Wouldn't it just be easy for me to open up Instagram, you know, search for a few influencers and via their kind of explore page? Um, it is possible for you to do that. Um, however, running a campaign isn't always the most straightforward thing to do. The first thing you have to do, um, of course, is once you know your objectives, you have to uh, spend time reaching out to the influencers. Um, number two, um, there are things, for example, like uh, drafting up contracts, um, writing the brief for the influencer uh, and, and understanding their platform and their audience. Um, finally, um, there are small other considerations, for example, um, you know, knowing that um, there are certain ad uh, rulings. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not just about an influencer putting up a post. They have to now make people aware that this is a paid advert. So there are, there are numerous considerations to, to take into account. Um, and, and this can be often uh, quite time consuming um, and quite stressful for a small business. 
So you've talked about the, the kind of litigation around kind of influencer marketing campaigns. How about actually when it comes to reaching out, how do you overcome the hurdles of not only reaching out to an influencer, the contractual status, but actually vetting them? Is that why influencer marketing agencies maybe charge so much? Is that a complex process? Um, it can be. I mean, um, certain influencer marketing agencies will have a system in place in which they can quite easily vet an influencer, whereas uh, a business may not have that same software. Um, they may have to manually scroll through thousands of tweets, for example, just to find um, that one tweet which doesn't quite align with your brand. So L'Oreal is a, is a key example of this. Um, they worked with uh, an influencer called um, Amina Khan, also known as Pearl Daisy. And during the campaign with her, they realized that she had some tweets which didn't quite align with their brand um, and they had to actually um, ask her to remove those tweets um, and eventually um, those that ended up in, in her being removed from the campaign. Okay, so there seems to be a few complexities and I guess we can understand why a campaign budget normally starts around £5,000. What are your kind of secret tips, hacks that you'd recommend to someone who's starting off in influencer marketing, in particular Muslim influencer marketing? So going back to the point I made previously about vetting, uh, vetting is a, a critical component of any campaign. Um, you may think, okay, I'm going to go through maybe the last five or six tweets uh, of an influencer, but actually the brand, uh, your brand is, is the most important thing. And what you don't want to do is align yourself with somebody who has gone completely against your brand values uh, in the past. And it's often um, agencies who have the tools in order to, to vet influencers properly. Um, number two is you want to make sure that your goals for the campaign are smart goals. Are they specific, measurable, uh, achievable, realistic and, and time bound? Um, number three is um, often brands treat uh, influencers in a very transactional way, you know, in a very functional way. You want to remember that they are individuals um, and that they will remember how you treated them and, and how you work with them. So, you know, things like paying on time, you know, things like uh, briefing them properly, um, and, and, and understanding their needs and allowing them to produce their own authentic um, native content uh, is key. Um, there are also other considerations, for example, measuring the engagement during the campaign. Um, you want to measure this so that you know what is going well and what isn't going so well. And, and finally, you want to produce um, analytics uh, and reporting at the end so that you know how the campaign went and you can measure against the successes um, Sorry, you can measure against your, your original KPIs. Um, so these are some of the things uh, which, which you should uh, take into account. You actually touched on something that I think, even though it may sound obvious, is something that actually people massively ignore. The fact that influencer marketing is people dealing with people and that, you know, you should treat influencers as equals. And by doing that, you'll get them to buy into what your campaign is about. That will produce authentic content. It's often a thing that's completely overlooked and undervalued. Uh, it's a brilliant hack. So there you have it for another episode of Marketing Majusa, your five minute marketing school. And we hope you have benefited from the basics of Muslim influencer marketing here and this series. We actually hope to catch you next time where we'll be talking about Instagram marketing. How do you grow your followers on Instagram? How do you make your story stand out? And should you go over to the dark side and purchase fake followers? Make sure you tune in next time for another episode of Marketing Madrasa.